0: Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy combos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting.
1: It was the worst I've ever been hit with to a point where I was uh, planning my suicide. And I finally came clean with my husband after I got off the phone with our life insurance company to make sure that they would pay out if anything happened to me under certain circumstances. And, um, He was just like absolutely horrified and he looked me right in the eye and he said, listen, we're going straight to the emergency room.
0: What up, Vibe
1: Hive? Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast.
0: I am your favorite boss ass bitch host, Katie Berlin here with my super sexy husband and co-host and all around... Daddy, because tomorrow is Father's Day, so shout out to all the dads out there, and also the daddies, Jason Berlin.
2: I'm your less favorite bitch-ass host. What did you call yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a very odd intro.
0: You know what? Sometimes you just got to spice it up a little bit.
2: Got to spice it up with the bitch-ass.
0: This episode does talk about a little bit of a more serious topic. So, we, you know, we got to do a we got to do a 180 right yep. now. Yeah. We came in hot. Skeet skeet. And now we're going to Wow, that yeah, oh, that wait. was <laughs> that was really coming in hot. Um, <laughs> please, children, earmuffs.
2: Earmuffs NC17.
0: We do have a serious topic with an awesome guest today, Samantha Lendl of Sir Thriving Mama. We do talk about postpartum depression, the postpartum period. There are pretty heavy topics, so if, you know, there could be some sensitivity to topics like depression, you know, proceed with caution in this episode or maybe listen to it at another time when you're feeling like it's something that you want to listen to, but our guest today really brings it, has an awesome community of ladies that she has brought together And we think that you are going to love what she shares.
2: Yeah, I mean, she was basically able to use her experiences to craft a program for people going through postpartum in a way that was extremely clever. And she was a very savvy businesswoman as well. And it was a pleasure to talk with her.
0: Our guest today, Samantha Lendl, is the founder of Sir Thriving Mama, a postpartum coaching company dedicated to offering a six-week course focused on caring for none other than mama herself. If you're feeling overwhelmed, tired, resentful, or stuck in a rut after bringing home baby, many of us might check those boxes. You are not alone. Sir Thriving Mama is here to put you back on your own priority list and have you go from merely surviving to Sir Thriving. Vibe please welcome Samantha to the show. Samantha, welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast. We are so excited to have you join us on our show today. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Hello, I am Samantha Wendell. I am the owner and creator of the Surthriving Thriving Mama method with Surthriving Thriving Mama.
0: And there's quite a story behind how you started your business. So can you share with us a little bit about your journey to the inspiration behind Surthriving Thriving Mama?
1: Yes, um. Well, I am a mom of four and I've had, unfortunately, postpartum depression, three of the four pregnancies. And um, after I had my third, I thought, oh, wow, this is great. I didn't have it. And so when my husband wanted to do one more, I thought, "Okay, yeah, this will be a breeze. And then two under two and I've got postpartum depression. It was the worst I've ever been hit with. I got to the lowest of low, um, to a point where I was uh, planning my suicide, and um, my I finally came clean with my husband after I got off the phone with our life insurance company, that to make sure that they would pay out if anything happened to me, under certain circumstances, and um, he was just like absolutely horrified and he looked me right in the eye and he said, listen, we're going straight to the emergency room. If you don't promise me that like, you're going to be honest with me, we're going to do this together. I'm going to walk you through this. Like you need a hundred percent transparency with me on what's going on at all times. And, um, cause I was begging him, no, don't make me, those will they'll make me stay there, da, da, da. which I think For a lot of people is definitely the road to go and no one should be ashamed of that or afraid of that. Um, I was very lucky that though I didn't go that route. um, We were able to come up with a plan and he was able to um, be with me at all times to make sure I was okay as we executed the plan that we came up with and it ended up saving my life and you know, a series of things happened at the same time um, that kind of helped out. But through this plan that we came up with, it ended up being the Surviving Mama method that we use now to help tons of women every day with uh, the same issues and a bunch of other issues, because it's really just personal development at its core. And so it's been really you know, my mess is other people's blessing. And so it's been a really great thing that's come out of it, thank God.
0: <laughs> and you, I mean, I was like getting choked up listening. I don't know if you could tell, but my eyes were getting all red and I was like like trying to hold back from crying because it's, it's really heartbreaking to think of someone who is in a position where you, you just give birth there is this idea that it's joyous. You have two young children and as parents, we are their caregivers. And sometimes the fog is so thick, you cannot see your way out exactly. of that. Exactly, and, and exactly. The, and then you said like, well, my mess became the catalyst for this, but there are probably more women who experience postpartum depression than the CDC reports.
1: Absolutely. I know that for a fact, just from my experience with speaking with women, there's such a stigma around it socially and politically. And it's such a charged thing. You never, um, you know, in the media, it's always the worst case, of course, that we're hearing about. And so women are just terrified to have that attached to them. We wanna be the moms that we imagined we would be. And it is killing us literally to not be rising to that bar that we imagined for ourselves. And for the women that are suffering, I tell them all the time that it's not you, it's chemicals and it's hormones and it's just a perfect storm that happening in your body and it's temporary and you can get out of it and you will get out of it it's just something you have to grip and ride through you know which is so hard and nobody wants to admit that they're going through it and when you do that's when the breakthroughs happen and you really just need to reach out and tell somebody and not be afraid and if you are that's why we're here
2: (laughs) I was going to say it's so inspiring that you've taken your story and your experience and turned it into a positive atmosphere and a business, too, that you can help other women. That's just so incredible. And you have to feel so proud of yourself for doing something like that. Like, that's really incredible.
1: Well, you know, it's so weird how it happened with business wise. I never imagined that it was going to at all go this way. I was doing a challenge that I have to read, you know, personal development books as part of my husband's plan to help me, you know, get better. Yeah. And um, as I'm reading one of them, it's um, Girl on Fire by Kara Allwell. And she um, is talking about, you know, passion and starting a business and da, da, da. And I'm like, I'm just a stay at home mom. I can barely get my stuff together every day. Like, I can't relate to this at all. And it's, I always say it was like a muse was just whispering my in my ear, like it just bam, bam, bam. One day the idea came to me and that day I had created the website and the Facebook and the Instagram and I just went crazy with it. And I called my husband and I was like, guess what we're doing?
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And what an awesome husband you also have for supporting you through this journey, too, and helping you with some of the business ideas, too. And uh, I know this is all about mama here, too, but some of us on the sidelines, it's so hard (laughs) for us to watch our loved ones go through this thing, you know. I mean, Katie was very upset during some of these times, too, and not to the, the levels, I think, that we're really discussing here. But everyone has their own experience and it was very difficult too. So,
0: Well, I do want to rewind a little bit to talk about the difference between when someone gives birth and they're just having, you know, these crazy hormone fluctuations. There's a huge adjustment physically, mentally. What are some of the known differences between sort of common and normal? Right experiences and feelings as a new mom versus when you begin to tiptoe into a territory that could be considered common, but it's, it shouldn't be normal. Like it's not normal. Like you're moving from baby blues maybe into postpartum depression.
1: Yes. I'm so glad you're touching on this. So, um, the baby blues normally starts within two to three days after childbirth. And it's normally over by the time you get to your six week checkup, but typically like two to three weeks we're looking at. And that's, you know, dramatic mood changes where like you're watching a, you know, commercial and a puppy comes on and you're crying and you don't know why, or you're looking at your baby and you're just overwhelmed and you just cry like, or, you know, you're trying to breastfeed and you have, you know, a sudden rush of like frustration and you just freak out. Like those are normal baby blues. That's also normal for postpartum. But when you're um, dragging it out and it's after that six week checkup and it's still happening, there's also postpartum anxiety, which is, um, you know, reoccurring thoughts, like almost like OCD. Um, They call them intrusive thoughts. And those are like, you know, you're walking down the stairs with your baby. Oh, my God. What if the baby fell out of my hands and just fell down the stairs or you know, every mom has these, but um, when you're in a situation where it's recurring, and it's all the time, and you're just a basket case, you can't get out of bed, you can't shower, you're not finding joy in your baby, a lot of times you can't connect, you don't feel that bond, you're babysitting, and when is this over? (laughs) Those, you're really stepping into the postpartum depression territory there, and unfortunately it's after your six-week checkup that you start to realize this it's usually peaking around four months and nobody is looking out for mama at that point anymore you know you've been cleared everyone's happy you had your baby she's so cute he's so cute and everybody came to visit and now you're just in it every day your husband's back to work or your partner's back to work and that's when it's not going anywhere and that's when you really uh, the best of cases is when you start reaching out as soon as you recognize this. Um, don't try to fight it out by yourself because it can last up to three years.
0: Wow. In your particular case, what were some of the telltale signs that you knew immediately where you were like, this is going past this point, even though you didn't say anything?
1: And the first um, time was my very first pregnancy and I had had a very traumatic uh, pregnancy. I had a blood clotting disorder. It was very touch and go. Um, So that I always say took years off my life. But um, after the baby was born, I honestly was planning for the worst and I didn't expect to live through the childbirth. So I really didn't plan on parenting. I had, my spouse was ready to be a single dad because I had convinced him that that's what was going to happen, which don't Google (laughs) (laughs) when your doctor says, don't do Google, don't do Google. But, um, so I was kind of set up from the start. Um, and they had warned my husband at the time that, you know, be on the lookout for X, Y, and Z. So I almost took that as a challenge. I really hid everything very well. It got to a point I think around the he was about 6 months old, 5 or 6 months old, and my mom would have to come every single morning and she would literally take me out of the house. Like this is what we're doing today because otherwise I would be in pajamas in front of the TV, the baby is just rolling around on the floor and it was a disaster. But one night I remember I was sitting in the car and it was the middle of the night. The baby had cried himself to sleep. We were trying sleep training on top of all of this. And um, because I had those goals, I had to hit and be perfect first time mom. But um, I was sitting in the car in my nightgown. I think it was like one or two in the morning barefoot in the middle of winter time and I was just sobbing holding the steering wheel like I wish I was the kind of woman who could just drive away like I wish I could just set myself free and just not have that guilt and do what tons of dads do out there you and that's when I walked inside and I woke my husband up and I said I've got it I need to get medicine like I'm, I need help And I went the medicine route that time. And I also did my second round. So I recognized right away after my son, which was two years after that. um, Right away, I think at my six week appointment, I was like, so when are we starting the Zola? (laughs) And I wasn't. But for some reason, again, this last time I was very resistant to going that route. I was resistant, I think. I had something I thought it was related to my relationship. My first marriage, I had the first two. And I thought, you know, he just wasn't as supportive as my husband is now. And that's why I didn't have it with my third child. Um, We have a great marriage and all these. And then it happened. And it was almost like, wait, is everything okay? Like I thought it was. So, and I think my husband had a little bit of disappointment too, because I, he had kind of talked about it that way. And so I was afraid to admit it to him because I didn't want to hurt his feelings.
0: I think also from the partner's perspective or, you know, whoever is there, if it's a spouse or partner, or even if it's, if you're a single parent and maybe you have other family members around you also, if they've never had the experience, if they haven't been through it, it is so hard to articulate and for someone to understand. It is why it is so cliche, but it's like, until you have children, you really have no idea. And it is 100% true. And unless you have given birth, even if you are very supportive it's like you just cannot understand. Mm-hmm. It's not even something that is easy to put into words or articulate yeah. what's happening. It's like it, it, you're not even yourself. It's like I'm still the
1: craziest thing, right? Like I've had it so many times that the last time I had it, it was the absolute worst. And I'm literally on the edge. Like I knew consciously what it was and that still didn't matter. The lies were still loud enough, you know, in my head that I was telling myself that my kids would be better off without me, that this meant that I wasn't meant to be a mom. You know, those were so loud to me. It just went right over the logic. And of course, you can't expect an imbalanced brain to be able to even deal with logic. But that's what you know, you're all alone in this. And you do try you you're trying so hard. Nobody wants this. Now in the first
0: two, you said that medication was part of the recovery process. I would love to know for those two, what did that process look like? How long would you say the recovery was? And then with obviously the fourth pregnancy is when you had that catalyst to start Sir Thriving Mama
1: um I think the first um I was on the medication until we decided to try for another one um which was about two years later and that was just nervous to come off it
0: was an antidepressant medication yes
1: I was on a Zoloft took the medication every day uh, for about a month it started to work after a month which a lot of women. Don't know that their doctor doesn't tell them how long it takes to work a lot of times i've noticed, but about a month um, until the medication is really. Working and you'll start to feel those changes and then I did stay on it until we decided to conceive again Um, some people stay on it through. Um, What we like to what a doctor would normally say is if the risk outweighs the benefit or the benefit outrays the risk. So there is a bit of a risk to staying on an antidepressant while you're pregnant, but obviously there's a big risk for mom to come off of it. If she is mentally not going to be okay. So there's no shame in that game either. You do what you need to do because if you aren't okay, then your baby is not going to be okay inside your body.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And the entire postpartum process. So
0: the check-in on mom with this is really archaic. It is. And, and so strange. So yeah. for anybody listening, if you think about birth in four stages, there's really – or, you know, pregnancy and birth in four stages. There's really the conception part. Some people have a difficult time conceiving or it's very easy for them to conceive. There's the – pregnancy portion some people have very easy pregnancies some people have difficult pregnancies there's the birth itself again that can go so many different ways and then there's postpartum i have i have never personally heard someone say that their postpartum period was easy i have no. never heard <laughs> you you've heard people say it was easy to conceive i had an easy pregnancy my birth was easy. I have never once heard someone say, yeah, after I gave birth, it, it was no, it, I just went back to my life. Mm-hmm. Like immediately I felt fine. There was no issue. It doesn't mean that that doesn't happen. If you are that person or if you know someone that can happen, I've just never personally heard that. But I feel like that stage after the baby is born is the stage that almost gets the least amount of attention And resources, and it's like you're you're left just like floundering, basically on
1: your own. Oh yeah, I always say in the medical community they are absolutely failing new mothers. Like I'm sorry, but it's absolutely failing new mothers. Uh, You sign off after six weeks. Go ahead, have fun with your husband, ha ha ha, and then you're done. I'll see you at your pap smear in six months to a year that's it. And then you're on your own. And sometimes your pediatrician will ask you, but like nobody really wants to admit that they're having a hard time to their pediatrician. And also
0: the entire process around that. So for anybody that maybe hasn't experienced this, or if your experience was different, cause maybe it was, but many times your provider or your pediatrician will give you a piece of paper. It's usually double-sided yeah. It has like 10 questions on it and it's on a scale of one to 10 or, you know, maybe one to five. And it's like, how, how like decent do you feel versus how terrible are you feeling is really like the scale. And you just kind of check off, like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling well or I'm not feeling well. It is, it could be so easy for someone that is struggling beyond comprehension just to check off five times that they're fine and say, yeah, I'm good, I'm good,
1: I'm good. Yeah. Totally.
0: And it's like I feel like that portion of it it, it's just there's so much opportunity for care for it's not just the women too but even spouses or other caretakers that are there like how can they support what can they do because for someone that let's say that if like for example Jason it was sick and not feeling well he could say to me I don't feel good I'm going to go lay down and sleep. And then would you mind getting me some cough syrup? Okay. But when you're in the postpartum period and you have no idea which way is up, you have no idea what's going to help you or make you feel better.
1: Exactly. And there, I say to everybody, there's no magic pill. Even if you do go the medicine route, we're talking a month before it starts working. And that's just like an assist. It's like a kickstand. You really, without working on your mindset yourself and really dedicating like either reaching out and getting a counselor or having a fabulous support system it is crippling on its best day
0: so i want to talk about now with the fourth pregnancy your road to recovery and then the system that your you and your husband set up that has now become sir thriving mama
1: yes so um it started pretty like accidentally, you know, we were on a walk and I was crying and I'm telling him the lowest of low, which is super hard to do for anyone. And, you know, we're my baby's right there in front of me. We're pushing them in a stroller and I'm just looking at their beautiful angel faces and admitting that, you know, I'm kind of done. Like as much as, you know, I can tell myself it's for them that I'd be doing this. Like, I'm just so tired of feeling this way. I can't handle it a minute longer. That was really hard to open up about. And um, we just started with, you know, well, what helps? What's one thing? Is there any moment in the day that you feel okay, that you're not thinking like this? And so we're just dissecting every single moment at that point. Well, you know, I notice when I get more sleep, it's easier for me to get started in the mornings. And it doesn't set until later on in the afternoon. You know, sleep is a big factor. And I notice when I, you know, get up and exercise, it does give me that little boost I need or, um, you know, obviously it's great to get in the shower, but I don't feel like showering. I just don't care anymore. And like, if you could just force me into the shower every day, <laughs> whatever means necessary. And, you know, he's like, you know, you used to, I was obsessed with my skincare routine. I had a little refrigerator right next to the, um, bed. Cause obviously the skinny confidential, <laughs> yeah, shout out to the skinny confidential. Yeah, shout that... out to Lauren and um he's like, I you never do anything like that for yourself. Like, what's up with that? Like you don't have to always be in mom mode, like in your moo moo." <laughs> and so yeah, he just really like he knows me so well and he just called me out on a lot of stuff that he noticed I wasn't even attempting anymore and he's worked 60 to 80 hours a week and the man would come home and just absolutely take over and go do your shower here's your skincare stuff go sit and do it here I set up the mister for you in the corner and like I obviously this is a dream scenario for a lot of women but he really was that good and just he held my hand through the whole thing. And we came to realize with a set of things that we were doing in a certain order that I could achieve them. You know, all of this wasn't happening in one day. It wasn't like, okay, tomorrow you're going to shower. You're going to do your skincare routine and you're going to go ahead and exercise. And then you can read. And you know, that was, would have been a lot to handle at the time. And my son was very young. I think he was about uh Four months at this point, and I had three more. <laughs> so there's rare moments, but um, it was like week one. Let's work on this this week, and that was like you used to listen to podcasts. I want you to listen to your podcasts again. And um, one big thing for me was unplugging with social media. The comparison game was really killing me and I had no idea until I wasn't doing it anymore. That was huge. Comparing myself and my worst day to everybody's best day on social media like what am I even thinking? But that was just destroying me and it was backing up everything that I believed about myself at the time. And so that was a step one was getting we say flood yourself with positivity. So we just started flooding my brain with positivity, nothing on TV that wasn't super positive, rainbows and butterflies all the time. <laughs> Full house <laughs> and,
2: reruns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and then we started adding in um, exercise. Exercise was big. And for me, some days I, I need to do it twice i need those endorphins i need that serotonin i had postpartum rage really bad and if anybody's ever doesn't know what that is it's just like this it's like pms on crack you are just ready to explode at any moment like my poor husband busting his butt was walking on eggshells all my kids were (laughs) and so the exercise would really help with that so like any aggressive exercise too that like running and like hit workouts and stuff like that so if anybody out there needs some postpartum rage support go <laughs> to beat up somebody at a gym <laughs> I said, you have a punching, like bag punching bag in the garage
2: <laughs> you, you have a heavy bag in the garage
1: or something like, mom mom just go to the
2: garage we're gonna to go over here
1: <laughs> <laughs> leave mom alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, we just added in all these things. And over, I think in the first month, it was like, I woke up one day and I looked at him and I said, babe, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm alive today. And that, um, I can't imagine what he was going through going, cause he works so much and I didn't realize until then what he was dealing with going to work and thinking every single day as he's driving back home, like, what am I going to find? She could not be there anymore. Oh. Like that stress on him. Sorry. I feel so terrible. I didn't, I couldn't even think about anybody else at the time. And I feel awful that he was experiencing that. Um, and so that was a huge relief for him when I was able to look at him and say that. And I started to just feel like that more often. Yeah. And so it started, and my best friend, actually, um, she's now a coach with Sir Thriving Mama also. Um, But she, she's my first client. (laughs) She was going through the same things. And at first, um, her baby is six weeks younger than mine. And it's her first pregnancy and her first baby girl. And um, at first, everything was coming in like really, oh, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. She's so perfect. And, you know, for a long time. And then I, once I sort of came out of the closet with my feelings, it was like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm right there with you. And even to the point where she was, you know, wishing she wasn't around anymore, and that also gave me a little fire. Um, like, I wasn't just doing this for me. I was. I realized I was doing it for other moms. Like, this isn't okay. She's my best friend. Like, she's awesome. I know she's a great mom. And so it was like, okay, what about I'm her best friend? <laughs> she feels that way about me. <laughs> and Sally is her best friend. So like, we're all good moms and nobody deserves to feel like this. And we're all hiding it. And we're all in our dark houses, just pulling the shades and getting through the day. And that's just unacceptable. And that's when we started reaching out to each other every single day. And I started pulling her through the program that I was in with my husband that we came up with. And I started about a month in, she started to feel really good. And it just kept going. And we just kept building on it. And now... You know, we're both totally out of the woods. Of course, we have bad days like anybody else. You know, my husband likes to joke, oh, are we so thriving right now? (laughs) (laughs) As I'm pulling a double stroller out of the back and it (laughs) falls on the ground and I've got a baby in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it feels good to have a bad day now where other days you know it didn't and i hated it and i wanted out and now i would take my worst day over any day because they're not that bad because i'm okay now and it was chemical and it was hormonal and now i can say that everything is balanced and everything is operating as it should and i still have to work at my mindset every day so it's not something, you know, that you should feel like oh one day I just got over it and it was perfectly fine after that. No, you're still gonna have you're gonna be a normal human again. You're and that's when I had an issue with the medication. Um, previously, it kind of made me numb, and I remember uh, my mom saying like I cried over something and I was like oh my god I shouldn't be crying like what I'm so sorry and she's like um people cry like people cry when people die like that's a normal thing like there are reasons for emotions that you're allowed to you know it's not all supposed to be good even when you take that route
0: (laughs) there is a lot of value in what you shared it's small changes it's not some big overhaul that takes place the support system being vulnerable opening up and being vulnerable and from this you created really like a system and you and you have these 10 rules quote-unquote yeah. rules to <laughs> sir Thrival. yeah can you please share those
1: Yes, we love our rules for Surthrival. And it's so weird because I sort of came up with them before I realized the actual method and they fit in perfectly. So it's just another thing where we're like, wow, this is really meant to be. (laughs) But each rule um, is a reminder, like a bumper sticker of a step in the program Um, to help you to trigger the things that you've learned a certain week in the program there's the six weeks um, which takes normally um, about 30 days you start to feel like you're thriving Um, but it starts with rule one is um, if mama ain't happy nobody's happy and that's a saying my mom used to always say when I grew up and I hated it (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think my mother-in-law gave me a little <laughs> plaque that says that somewhere.
1: <laughs> but that's absolutely the truth. Women, we are the rock of the household. We are the ones spending the money. We are the ones buying the groceries. We are the ones, you know, there most of the time in most households. We're the disciplinarian. We are it. And if we're having a bad day, it is ruining everyone's day.
2: (laughs) That's not true, is it?
0: (laughs) I mean, for me, everything, you know, it all flows fine. I don't know what happens for you guys.
1: (laughs) I'm
2: petrified right now. I don't know. We'll have to have a talk after this.
1: (laughs) So there's a lot of stigma with self-care and, you know, people feeling, moms specifically, feeling selfish Like there's, you almost, it's like a badge of honor when the old, like, oh, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself with their little fingers sticking underneath the door. You know, my self care is I go to the grocery store by myself once a week. Like, no, that doesn't count actually. (laughs) So that rule is to remind you that, you know, caring for yourself is actually caring for your family. If you aren't happy, your family cannot be as happy as they could be. If you were, (laughs) everyone will run smoothly if everyone is happy in the family. And if you live in that martyr mindset, it's really at a disservice to everybody.
0: That is so true. Like one of my favorite quotes is taking care of number one is actually taking care of number two. And it's like, you have to take care of yourself first. It's like the oxygen mask principle on the flight, yeah. you know, put your oxygen mask on first before you yeah,
2: forget that little kid over there. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I remember
1: the first time I heard that and I was like, what? Like, you want me to take, put my mask on myself. Like I would look like such a jerk. But yeah, um, you're going to pass out before you can get to yourself. If you do somebody else first, you'll help more people if you're breathing. <laughs> like, it's true. What a concept.
0: <laughs> All right. So we have rule number two is the only bad workout is the one that didn't happen.
1: That one, I like have to tell myself on an almost daily basis as somebody that works out a lot of times. In the playroom, <laughs> because I have two under two, and nap time doesn't always happen in the way that I planned it, and somebody's waking up, so I'll do a workout in the playroom, and I've got to stop fifty five thousand times <laughs> to move somebody out of the way, or take somebody off their brother, or <laughs> don't climb on that. <laughs> so it can be really frustrating and I can feel like I'm not getting a workout in and that makes me not want to do it again sometimes but I just have to remind myself that I could be sitting on the couch doing nothing and I would be burning a bunch less calories doing that so the only bad workout is the one that didn't happen if you're sitting on the couch that's a bad workout If you're making time for you and trying to squeeze it in, even if you get 15 of the 30 minutes in, that's 15 minutes that your blood was flowing, that you're doing something for yourself. And it will still give you that boost that you need with that endorphins or the serotonin that you're looking for. And if that's the only reason why you're working out like I do, (laughs) but it does something for you to it's a signal to yourself that you're taking care of yourself. And I think that is a big game changer in how you perform for the rest of your day. Taking those moments for yourself, you're able to have more room for everyone else.
0: And also anytime that you're working out, there's something about it's it's not just like taking time for yourself, but there's something about the thought that you're that you're adding positivity in. Positivity is coming into your bucket, basically.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, it just like fills you up in a certain way. Absolutely, and that, I think is those endorphins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think rule three is one of my favorites. It's flood yourself with positivity, and I absolutely live and love that so much. I avoid negativity at all costs. But there is also a thing called toxic positivity. And I think we should address that because it's okay to not be okay sometimes. It's not all gonna be perfect. You're not always going to feel positive. And I think if you were, we would be needing to talk to another professional about things. But flooding yourself with positivity, especially at a point where you're suffering with any kind of depression or anxiety, is absolutely pivotal to turning the corner on that. A lot of ways that I've done it is um, with what I consume in social media. I have, thankfully, my business Instagram, where I only follow Um, like motivational speakers and um, like positive uh, influencers and stuff. So I actually find myself on that more than my personal because it's just makes me feel good when I'm done scrolling, if I'm going to spend time doing that. Whereas I kind of feel depleted after I compare myself to a lot of my friends or, you know, people that are where I want to be or where I think I want to be or even like during, like, let's not forget during my pregnancy, there was this nightmare going on of COVID and the pandemic, which is happening for tons of people right now. You know, I have a lot of friends in Canada who are still in lockdown and their kids are back home again. And like, hang on, mamas, I feel for you. But like, these times are tough. It is so easy to get negativity. If you want a dose, you just turn on the news for five minutes. So I had to go on a news cleanse. Um, I was so addicted throughout the election cycle and with coronavirus. It was like, of course, I got depressed. It was a recipe for a disaster. And I think um, we really need to be conscious about combating what we're surrounded with in that negativity and in this social atmosphere where things are just so precarious, um, find positivity wherever you can and just flood yourself with that. Number four, stay flexible, adapt
0: and overcome.
1: Yes. This is something that, um, I learned from my ex-husband was a Marine and they used to say adapt and overcome. (laughs) So that is a nod to the Marine Corps there. (laughs) but um yes you expecting things to go a certain way is a huge trigger for me um i have noticed that i have a very controlling personality i don't know if you picked up on that but um, i'm very type a (laughs) yes
2: am i I allowed to respond
1: (laughs) silence crickets (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but um when things don't go as I imagined that they would is a huge anxiety trigger for me and it can often snowball so I have to remind myself like you got to stay flexible you got to be able to roll with the punches as a mom like yes Someone's going to poop as soon as you walk out the door and you're going to have to go right back inside and be 15 minutes late. And you're just going to have to be okay with that. (laughs) Like things happen all the time, especially with COVID. My kids would be home one day and then the next week they're trying this hybrid thing where they're home for a couple of days and then they're not. And I have to drive 45 minutes to get my kids to school each way and so a half a day three days a week was like such a nightmare (laughs) especially while i was working on you know my mentality and trying to be okay it was just like when am i gonna fit in time for myself i'm always in the car so being able to adapt and overcome these challenges by staying flexible and dropping those expectations for yourself You know, perfection is such a toxic concept that's not real. Literally, nobody's perfect, not a single one. And to expect that from yourself is almost a cop out. You know, you know already that you're not going to be able to do it. So just drop it and stay loose. Just overcome these challenges as they come up. When something comes up, just think outside the box move around, shake it up. It's okay. If it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, try to find the silver linings or just have a bad day.
0: I think so much of us can relate to that in this past year, like feeling as a society out of control. And then if you have children, you know that your, your most well-laid plans (laughs) are just up for interpretation. Like it, there's nothing that is quote unquote in control. I mean, you can only control yourself and then there's other small little people and they might, I mean, you might have children that are older, even if you have older children, it's like, it's just, yeah, being flexible. It's such a mirror for ourselves.
1: Yeah. It's just a reminder to drop the expectations and realize that things are not going to go the way you planned most of the time. All right, number five,
0: we have prioritize your passions.
1: That's a big one for moms and a lot of women that I speak to. Um, the first time when they come to me, don't even have. And when I ask them to dream big, they're like, mm, uh, "What would that be like?" <laughs> and that is crazy. We've stopped dreaming like we don't even know what we would do for a hobby. Find it, but take an hour a week and try different things if you must, but you've got to find something that lights you up and do it often. Commit to that. It will change your whole life. It will change your outlook on everything. When you can wake up in the morning and look forward to doing something that you haven't done in a while. Oh, I used to love painting. I used to love doing my skincare. I used to love gardening. Find something and prioritize that. Make that a thing for yourself because it will just change the way you feel so quickly. It it gives you hope and hope is the cure for depression.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, being able to look forward to something in the future. I think people that experience pretty heavy depression, they feel hopeless. Yes. They feel like there's no future. And it's like if you can give yourself something enjoyable to look forward to, you're, you're training your brain that there is a reason to keep going. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I've been feeling a little down lately with, you know, we we have a, a new kid and I'm running a lot of errands and working all the time and things like that. And we haven't been on vacation in forever and we just plotted something for my birthday. And I'm like so over the moon. My entire demeanor has changed. Like I like the dog now. Like, I, I haven't liked the dog <laughs> since we got him because he's crazy. And now I'm like, Randy, come and hang out, dude. I got a hug for you. You know, it's like, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm feeling this new vivaciousness from being able to, you know, practice my passions too. I'm a drummer too. And I haven't had any time to drum with the new kid and Katie's working constantly. And, you know, we have, yeah, the new baby's like, you know, five months old and she, thankfully she sleeps. Then our boy is like almost three. So like they are a total handful on top of everything we're doing mm-hmm. and like today. Like Katie took them out for a walk and she was going to leave me at home with the baby. And I was like, you know, why don't you take the baby too? You all can go for your walk and daddy's going to play drums for like 10 minutes. And I feel so much better from that. So I think I feel like I can relate to that yeah even though i I'm, I'm not a postpartum depression
1: <laughs> hey <laughs> men do get it it they do it's a real thing <laughs> so you could have a touch <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. keep <laughs> just
1: following the rules and you'll be all right
2: yeah. well let's hear about rule number six never stop learning because life never stops teaching
1: yeah this one is really important to the program it's not popular anymore to read. And, you know, with Audible available to listen, if you have a hard time focusing, or, you know, if you've got a learning disability, if reading is a challenge for you, there's so much out there. YouTube, you can watch TED Talks. There is so much information out there. Like I tell all my clients, all of this that I'm telling you is for free out there in the universe, you just need to go find it. And this rule is how I found it by just every, there are somebody that knows what you need to know and you can go and find it. There's so much to learn out there. And the more knowledge that you gain, um, from other people that know what you don't know, it's amazing what, it can do for you. The tiny things that I've incorporated from a million other people that I've either listened to or read about, uh, it's incredible and it's life-changing and it's even changing my kids' lives. Like they listen to like Tony Robbins in the car and they're giving their friends a motivational advice at school now, <laughs> <You're awesome. laughs> you know, just life is hard and it's always changing and it is long. And there is somebody out there that's been through what you're going through, no matter what it is in the universe, somebody else has been there and reach out into the webs and find them because it's incredible. And it it does do a lot to uh, give you that sense that you're not alone. And I think a lot of us, Um, have that problem with this particular issue is feeling alone. And, you know, I'm part of a Facebook group with postpartum depression and anxiety. And there are so many women on there that are just reaching out. I feel alone. I feel alone. Look at how many women are in this group. You're not alone. (laughs) And if you're open and you're ready to learn, it is just it's miles away from where you are today. You can bring it. It's like a GPS instead of, you know, toughing it out with a map. You can take a hundred wrong turns or you can just ask somebody and you can find out the right turns to go and save yourself a lot of trouble along the way. So that's where it's just stay open. Don't think that you already know everything. Don't think that you've already closed the book on yourself because you're going to change with the more you learn. And and it's very important to the program that we want you reading. If you're not reading, listening to as much information and consuming as much as that as possible, because it just does wonders for the mindset.
2: All right. Rule number seven, gratitude and negativity cannot live in the same space.
1: I say this to my husband a lot, but um, he has wicked anxiety. He's like my worry, worry. I always say he's like a Jewish grandma. Like he's just so worried about the kids all the time. And so I'll just stop him in his tracks and be like, calm down. What are we thankful for? And, and we've got a list on our mirror, which is, you know, we've got the big double mirrors for the closet doors and I've got a gratitude list going and we look over it every morning and kind of meditate on it. And it's a great way to start the day Um, for me when I feel like not getting out of bed because I'm nervous about something or you know, I want something that we don't have, or you know, when we're going through any kind of troubles. And it's amazing. It really gratitude and negativity cannot live in the same place. Gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist when you sit there. And you stop the anxiety or the negativity in its tracks and you replace that with just whatever you can think of at the time, you know, it's kind of hard to get past once you get past the, obviously I'm thankful for my husband and I'm thankful for my kids and I'm thankful for my health and I'm thankful for the house. But once you get into these small little details of what you're actually thankful for in your day, I'm thankful, you know. For my cup of coffee in the morning when it's extra hot and I can sit there for two minutes by myself before everybody else wakes up. And you find these little nuggets throughout your day that you didn't even know, like did something for you. And it gets you excited. And you've totally, before you know it, you forgot what you were worried about.
0: I love that because when you can't really see the light, a lot of the times it's because you're too focused on yourself or like your own world Mm -hmm. and where Mm -hmm. gratitude sort of forces you to push outside of those boundaries a little bit because you could yes comparing yourself that comparison game doesn't feel good but you can always look at another situation or someone else's life and think man like that is tough you know if you think of somebody that's paralyzed or someone it is just like man that that is tough and then that can shift you immediately into a different place and it's not from a place of necessarily feeling sorry for someone or for their situation but it is just looking at your situation saying like thank you for what i do have yeah and rule number eight success is built on failure
1: that's another one for a recovering perfectionist like myself is you're going to flop a lot of times as a mom like the mom guilt is just like mind-blowing Like you can feel like a failure on a regular basis but it's did I pick the wrong diapers maybe oh my kid has eczema from dairy and I've been feeding him dairy for a year I had no idea it was connected like whoops <laughs> you can totally beat yourself up about all these things but the try and try again is the most important part and every time you mess up like that you become a better mom your kid becomes a uh, stronger for it. <laughs> and even not as a mother but in business in any aspect it no successful person succeeded on the first try most of them will say that they are built upon their many failures. And I love the um, the example of Thomas Edison, of the light bulb, and he tried a thousand times or 10,000 times, and then the 10,000 first time is the one that he got it right. And somebody said, you know, like, oh, look at all those 10,000 failures. And he said, no, nah, I just figured out 10,000 ways not to light a light bulb. <laughs> Awesome. But if, he, if he didn't mess up all those times, he wouldn't have known what roads not to travel.
2: <laughs> we might still be in darkness. If exactly.
0: <laughs> and it's all—it's all relative. Like someone's quote-unquote success is—it's—it's it's all relative. Like it's so relative. So it's—you know—it's really just evolving and learning. Yeah. It's not like. You're never you know, really who, there. Yeah, you know? like who, who sits there and would point a finger to say like that's success and that's not. Because to a billionaire who feels very lonely, is that successful compared to someone making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year that feels so fulfilled in their life? Exactly. Like, you know, it, it, relative to what? Relative to what? So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Number nine, get comfortable with discomfort. Yeah, that's a big one. If you're going to grow anywhere, you're going to need to get outside of your comfort zone, unfortunately. <laughs> and you nothing need-
0: like parenthood to push you outside of your comfort yes. zone.
1: Yes, and to get out of this depression it's comfortable on the couch it's comfortable not showering it is you're gross you feel gross but you're pretty comfy in your sweats and your baggy moo shirt (laughs) you have to get outside of that comfort zone you need to push dig deep wherever it comes from and as soon as you're uncomfortable You can be okay knowing that that's a good spot. That means that you are growing. A lot of people move into that discomfort and they take it as a signal like, oop, I went too far. I need to draw back. No, stay there. Just sit there for a minute because that rubber band is going to expand and then you'll be able to push a little bit farther next time. So we never want you staying. As soon as you start to feel comfortable, it's time to move again.
0: Amazing. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, that's amazing perspective mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Thank you. All
2: right, rule number 10, last but not least, find purpose in the pain.
1: And this one is just my life story. It's amazing to me that everything I went through and my darkest, darkest moments have a purpose. And now I'm able to share my worst times with everyone and if it touches just one person and helps just one person get through that and make the same decision to live their life then i am it was worth every moment and sometimes it's not so big as that right sometimes there's smaller inconveniences but there is a purpose in every um Bad thing that I can think of in my life. I've been able to look back and connect it to something great that has happened on the other side. And something positive that's happened on the other side. So it's just a reminder that you're just on the brink there. If you feel like Um, you don't know where the light is at the end of the tunnel. It's right there around that corner. You just can't see through the darkness, but it is coming up. It's around the bend and there is going to be a purpose for this moment and this season in life. And it will be something that you'll be able to reach into your tool belt later on and be able to say, oh, good thing I went through that or, and tap into these same lessons or resources that you've learned through the pain if someone
0: goes through the coaching program and they spend that time with you they're working on these tools at what point does that shift happen where you feel like you can look at them and say you know like you're thriving like you've you've passed this point and you you're there
1: I think a lot of um women get kind of the breaks fall off at like week four and we have a week um week five is called a look inward because that's Mm -hmm. where we kind of have to be like okay like slow down like you're being a little selfish now (laughs) like it gets it's addicting you've been
2: thrive a list now yeah
1: Yeah, (laughs) like where you're just really going for you're doing all the things But now we've got to bring you back home a little bit. We've got to remember to fit everything in. So that's where it comes back to you've taken care of yourself. You're doing great. And now we're going to learn how to thrive in the household and bring all of your roles together. You know, you're not just a mom, you're a daughter, you're a sister, you're a best friend and we kind of have to loop that back in sometimes because everybody's just going gung ho, you know. I'm working out every day, and I'm doing this, and I'm finally getting everything done. And they're feeling so good, and we just have to take a step back and recenter and refocus so that we're really thriving in all areas and firing at all cylinders. And it's really that's when the light comes back. I think a lot in week four. Um, You just look at them and they've got a smile on and the light back in their eyes. And that's my favorite.
0: If you could leave the audience with a key takeaway, what would you want to share with them?
1: I want anyone who is in the thick of it to know that there are so many resources out there for you. You are not alone. There is so much to do. I want a husband or a mom or a sister to realize that there are things that you can do that your role in this matters also.
0: And what are some of your favorite resources that you would want to leave the audience with?
1: Um, Well, you can go to the website. We have a resources page now. So um, we've put together everything for free. Anyone can go and... Um, We've got the rules posted. We've got this through Thriving Mama method. There's an outline posted. We've got a lot more coming up um, soon on the way that we're working on. So we're just trying to pull things together and put it all there. Um, But in an emergency, um, there's hotlines that you can call. Um, We'll have that posted. That's on the blog. Um, But there is tons out there and just find it you can do a simple Google search. And really, you can start with your doctor if you don't know what else to do.
2: And what is the website address?
1: Um, we are at SirThrivingMama.com.
0: Yeah, give yourself a shout out so everyone can find you on all of um, your locations.
1: Mama everywhere on Instagram, SirThrivingMama.com. We've got Sir Mama on Facebook. And then if you're interested, there is a private Facebook group Sir Thriving Mamas, we'd love to have anybody on there. It's just like-minded women who are ready to get their life back and they're interested in personal development. So w- there's no business done on the Facebook page. It's just laughter and encouragement and a place for women to get to meet each other and reach out to each other and ask each other for advice. And it's awesome. So that's, it's a that's great. great resource.
0: That is
2: Very awesome. awesome. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, Samantha, thank you. Having you as a resource and your method as a resource resource with the coaching is invaluable. You know, it it can save lives. So thank you for what you're doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so important to get out there. Like just no women should feel alone. It's so common. And that's just my mission is to let everyone know that they are not alone. And this is way more common than anybody thinks there's no shame in it
2: right on well thank you so much for your time thank yeah, you thank
1: guys. you for helping us to elevate the vibe thank you
0: hey there vibe hi babes if this podcast has brought you any value please rate and review on your favorite listening platform and if you're feeling really generous share with a friend Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.